Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group, featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents. You'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. Hey, it's Greg Harrelson here, and I am coming at you from the Level Up podcast. And I just wanted to, uh, you know, say I'm glad to be here today. I'm glad to have a guest on here, one of my great agents and great friends, Abe Safa, who has actually uh, been at the, uh, the my my real estate company for quite a while. I'll ask him. I can't remember how many years that has been, but he did start as a new licensee. So he's coming from a retail business um, that he had been in for many many years. And, uh, and then he decided to take a, 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 make a change as a, as a business person and change his careers, got into real estate, went and got his license, and then started with us. And then within three years, he actually already did over 100 deals in his third year. So I want to talk about um, you know, how he did that and what's going through his mind, what some of the challenges may have been. You know, did he luck out? Did it, is this by design? Let's just get into a conversation with Abe about all that. So with, um, with, with that being said, welcome to the Level Up Podcast, Abe. Hey, Greg. Thanks. Good yeah. talking to you as always. Yeah. yeah, man. Well, you know, again, um, Abe Safa is within one of my companies. So uh, we get taught to, to, to talk quite often. I just felt like for the Level Up podcast audience, it would be uh, well worth the time to just kind of share your story, Abe. So let's Absolutely. go ahead and, yeah, let's just go ahead and dive right into it. You know, you, I've known you, um, you know, and, and uh, your businesses from, from the retail side for many, many years, but you got into real estate what year? Uh, last year was my third full year. So what, 20, okay. December 2015, I think I got my license. Yep. So 2016, 17, and 18, three full years. Okay. So um, at the end of your first year, I might bounce around, go from sure. the present to the past and somewhere in the middle and then back to the, the past and, and then end up at the present. But um, I know at the end of your first year, you did, quite a bit of, uh, you did quite a bit of business. How many deals did you close your first year of real estate? Uh, I think it was 40 or 41. Let's 40 just say 40. 40. Yeah. Okay. So I that's great. Yeah. And for the audience, I know that this is going to be important, but they're probably making a lot of assumptions of, of what type of business that you were doing. Could you tell us the mix between buyers and sell? Let's just say you did 40 deals. So right. how many of those were buyers and how many of those were listings? Uh, I want to say, um, I know it's a high percentage listings. So I want to say maybe 34. I think I had six buyer sales the first year. Okay. So maybe six. 34 and six, somewhere in that ballpark. It could okay. be a little bit more. Listing, okay. But definitely predominantly listings. Yeah, no <clears throat> that's good. And, and so if you can remember back when you first started, you got your license, you started here. Um, do you remember what month you started? Yeah, so I got my license in December. Okay. Um, and started making calls immediately, got on the phone. Yeah. Uh, so really, as soon as I got my license, I started. Even before I got my license, I was in the office uh, just kind of shadowing people. Yeah. Listening on some conversations, kind of getting, a, you know, getting a my feet wet in, in prospecting because you know I'm yeah. a big fan of prospecting. <laughs> yes, we'll actually talk about that at some <laughs> oh, point today. Sure uh, that, was, that was a joke, guys. He's actually not a big fan of, of prospecting. So yeah. I think that's an important conversation that we need to touch on today because there's a lot of people that really don't want to prospect. They don't want to go out and make outbound calls and you are one of them. But then somehow 
you overcame this and you became a master at it. And I, and, and, um, and that's interesting because you overcame something that you had this perception of just not wanting to do. And now you're a master at it. We'll, we'll save that to a little bit later. Um, so you got into the, uh, the business in, in say December or January, mm-hmm. how long did it take for you to do your first deal? And, and before we say first deal, um, your first listing taken and your first closing. Gotcha. Um, again, I'm trying to go by memory because I didn't do my research before this. Um, yeah, I know I got my first closing real quick. I was actually surprised at how quickly it came. Um, okay. I, I want to say within the first 45 days to 60 days, I had a closing. Mm-hmm. I got a listing like within the first two to three weeks. Okay. And I was actually shocked because I didn't even know like I was, I called the person. It was a cold call. And um, just, she said, yeah, I want to, I want to list. And I kind of like got nervous, didn't know what to do. Luckily I had Brendan Payne standing right beside me. I was like, dude, can you help me out? I hand him the phone. He takes over. He, he gets the listing for me. I'm like all excited and damn thing sells quick. So yeah. I got my first check like real quick. And I was like, okay, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know? so, so that, that, but that was, that probably not the natural path. That's probably a little bit of luck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Yeah. You you were lucky, but you put yourself in position to get lucky, right? By making calls early on. Um, Now, prior to you um, getting on the phone, making those calls, um, what what kind of prep or practice did you do to put yourself in position to start making calls? Because I know that you didn't just start making calls day one. You did some practice. You touched on it before. But can you talk a little bit more about that practice? Like, what so did that look when like? I, when I got into business, right? Or yeah, as I was getting into the business? Yeah, as you were getting into the business, because you're a little bit more unique. You, just, you knew you were getting your license, getting into the business. So right. then we went ahead and started um, practicing and giving you the training materials early on before right. you got licensed. So tell us a little bit about what your prep was so the day that you got your license, you hit the streets running. Yeah, so leading up to getting into the business and actually getting on the phones, um, you know, I, I listened to all your advice, obviously. So I, I watched every single video you've ever done pretty much. I listen to every single Mike Ferry um, uh, call, video, everything I can get my hands on. Um, uh, every single podcast, Pat Hyben. I mean, just, just about everything I can get my hands on to actually just, because I knew nothing about the business, even though I've known you for what close to 30 years, and we've had thousands of conversations about real estate. As far as being in a business, I had no clue the ins and outs. Yeah. So, and you know me, I've got to be prepared before I go into anything. So I spent a lot of time just listening and watching videos and things like that. And then also, of course, going over the scripts that you gave me. Yeah. So, so memorizing the scripts um, and just kind of just getting, getting to understand the language of real estate. Yeah. So script mastery, you just focused sure. on, on mastering Absolutely. the script. Now, mm-hmm. cause I remember um, mm-hmm. who was one of your first role play partners. It was your wife. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot, I forgot about that. She was brutal. I do remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I forgot it's been so long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of the couple yeah. of conversations. I mean, I hope you know. I have to got to see if I still have those. Yeah, some of those. I remember uh, recordings. I think there was some recordings. I think I think they were audio recordings. They were audio uh, recordings. That you spent. Yeah. And um, so I, it it just something that just kind of came to my mind. And and it, it it's probably something that I should put into the training program. Like if you're married, your first role part part role play partner should be your spouse right. because they will be the absolute toughest person to role play with because they are judging you you're nervous about being judged by them they're judging by ju- judging you and 
they're doing everything they can. Like they never play an easy seller or an easy buyer. They are just like completely the worst buyer and seller you could ever actually uh, deal with. Or the best if you try to get better. Yeah, I mean, which yeah, they're, is, is yeah, they're, yeah, exactly. And I think that's the point. Yeah. So they're really the best because they're really going to, you know, really put it on you to make right. sure that you're uh, that you're that you know your stuff. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was that was that was some good calls. <laughs> yeah, that, that was good. Let us see if I could find those recordings. That'll be fun. Share one yeah. with me. So, um, okay, so forty deals your first year. So, yes. what happened your second year? Did seventy-one deals. Okay. Second year. Yeah, and what did you do differently um, between year one and year two that helped you achieve that type of growth? You know, honestly, um. I don't think anything differently yet. I mean, I hired a full-time assistant, like, you know, cause I was, I was kind of listening to your guidance, I think halfway in the first year, yeah. probably three months to maybe four months before I even needed one because you, I, I trusted the process. You said, listen, you're going to need one. It's better to get her now and start training. And this way, when you, you go right into that um, production. Um, so besides having an assistant, um, I think mostly my skills got better. Because mm -hmm. I actually went back and looked at my numbers. It, it's been a while. It's probably been a couple of months. And looked at my, because um, you know I track all my numbers. Yeah. My first year, I made 12,000 contacts to do 40 deals. So that's a lot of contacts. Year number two, I did 8,000 uh, contacts to do 71 deals. Mm -hmm. okay, and now we're going to get to year number three. Year number three, I ended up with just under 5,000 contacts. So my contacts went from 12,000 to 8,000 to less than 5,000 while yes. production was going up. Yes. So, and then, you know, we can get into that conversation as yeah. to why I think it's why, but I'm, you know exactly why. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I do, but let's talk about that. Why do you think? Because so, so let's just say 12,000 contacts. Mm -hmm. If you, if you, if you pros, do you remember how many days you prospected? Um, you remember that number? I want to say I worked 240 something days that year, the first okay. year. And so you I, think, worked, I worked a lot of Saturdays. Do you think you prospected every one of those days? The first yeah, yeah, yeah well, I had nothing else. I mean, if yeah. I, all I had to do was prospect because, I mean, with 40 deals, it's not like um, I wasn't showing property. Yeah. So with 40 deals, there wasn't that many listings. Um, yeah, so at that time, let's just say it was 240 days that you prospected. Right. You averaged 50 contacts per day. Basically, would that come, would come yeah, out pretty much, at yeah, 240? Somewhere, somewhere that was actually my goal. My goal was 50 a day. Okay, got it. So then you go, and now you're doing more business <clears throat> And you cut out about a quarter of the contacts. So you cut out, made about 4,000 less contacts year two. Right. Um, how do you grow your business and make less contacts if you're building your business based on outbound prospecting? How does that happen? That, for most people, that doesn't make sense. Like more equals more, but in yeah. your case, less equals more. Yeah. I mean, at, at the end of the day, the conversations got better. Mm -hmm. Right. So as my skills got better, my conversations with people ended up being longer as opposed to the, those first 12,000 calls, especially the first thousand, man, I was getting hung up on at hello. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I mean, the growing pain of going through that. So a lot of those now it's, it's rare that I get, get hung up on. Like mm -hmm. it's hardly ever, at least not at hello, at least, you know, when, when they're not interested and I keep pushing and then I get hung up on possibly. So what do you think you did? So, I mean, if we're talking about year one, you're getting hello hung up on or you're getting hung up on so early in the, in, in the, in the conversation, right. like what, what kind of script or what, what skill did you develop that changes that? Because we're talking about um, <clears throat> between getting hung up right in the beginning, that's, that's like 15 seconds. 
right. 20 seconds. So we're not talking about a long dialogue. Exactly. That was the difference. We're saying something changed in the first 10 to 25 seconds of the call that dramatically changed your outcome. What skill is that? Or because I don't have anything in mind. I just, it just inspires I, me to ask that question though. I, I think it's simple. I think it's confidence. Mm. That, that first second at hello, the confidence level that you have on the phone with somebody and whether you allow them to control the conversation or you control the conversation is what it's all about. The moment that I got that, my conversations with people completely changed. Um, the, the whole interaction changed. The, the results changed. Mm -hmm. So at, at that point, once I got that, and, and, and that's one of the first things, I get a lot of questions because uh, people see the numbers. I get a lot of questions. Hey, how'd you do it? What's the most important thing? And I've thought about it a lot. I, I think the most important thing above anything before script, before everything is, is confidence on the phone. Yeah. Someone has to be in control of the conversation. It's either going to be you or it's going to be them. Mm -hmm. And I decided it was going to be me at every single conversation. Yeah, that's good. So I would imagine like if you know um, you're calling somebody and someone was to say to you, you know, I don't like to deal with realtors, but you've practiced that dialogue where like you've practiced the scenario where somebody says that and then you have something to say back. Just the fact that you practice that, even the times that you never get that, you're just, your, your level of confidence knowing that whatever they throw at you, you can handle, makes you more camp confident from the second you say hello or they say hello. No, no, no question. And I want to even take it a step further. Okay. The, the, whatever they come up with, as soon as they say it, the, the confidence in yourself and no matter what they throw at me, it's not going to rattle me. Yeah. Right. Cause even if you yeah. have a good objection handler, like you can still get rattled. Sometimes if you get rattled, it's done even with a good objection handler. So no matter what they say to you, it's just, it, it, it doesn't rattle me anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, okay, yeah. I mean, whatever you got to say, great. We'll, we'll say it. I'm going to take yeah. the conversation again and we're going to keep going. Yeah. Um, that's good. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. So now you go from 71 or 70 and, mm -hmm. and you, and you go over a hundred in the, um, in the third year, your, right. th your third full year. And I'm, I'm certain you're going to continue to do 100, you know, year after year. But um, what was, what shifted or what did you do differently, if anything? Um, how did you continue that trajectory and get to 100 in your That's, third year? So, so 40 to 70 to me was easy, I thought. Going from 70 to 115 last year, that, that took a little bit more, um, more thinking and planning. Okay. Because right. that's when, you know, I guess the biggest challenge for me was, um, was letting go of control, mm. right? So, you know, I, I've been in business a long time in retail, so I've always been, it's easy for me. I've had 100 employees at one point. Um, delegating was never a problem. But I was also never the guy at the front lines, right? So I wasn't the producer as well. So now I'm the producer, I'm at the front of the line, and things come up, it was... I had to learn, and, and you helped me tremendously with this. I had to learn that, that you don't have to stop what you're doing every time something comes in, mm -hmm. right? And it could be like, okay, so great. I mean, 70 deals, you get an offer on a property. The, the tendency as a newer agent would be like, oh, my God, I got I to stop, and I got to address this. I got to call the seller, blah, blah, blah. I can't afford to lose this, right? Um, one example. Right. Another example is you've got a listing and your client calls you at 830 in the morning and you feel like hey, I've got to give good service. I got to be able to pick up the phone. 
the the ability for me to learn that it doesn't have to get done on the spot every single time allowed me to go from 71 to 115 transactions. Okay, because yeah. in the past when I was doing even at 70, client called me at eight o'clock, eight fifteen, even though I'm prospecting, I feel like I had to pick up the phone. Now eight to eleven, I don't, unless it's an emergency. If it's my wife calling to someone else, the family that's an emergency, I'll pick up the phone. But otherwise, eight to eleven is, is sacred during our prospecting time. And everything yeah. else I learned can wait. You know, and, and it can be yeah. delegated. Yeah. So how 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 has that impacted either negatively or even positively? Um, the service that you do provide to your clients? Because, you know, I guess that's one of the fears. You said it yourself. If it came in at 8.30, you felt like you had to do it because you wanted to provide good service to your client. So does this mean you're now providing bad service um, to your client? I don't think that that's the case. No, yeah. but, how, but help us with that because the audience looks at this. This is something that in my coaching experience of agents, this is something that is extremely common where the agent always puts themselves last and puts everyone else first, and then nothing that they want to accomplish ever really gets done. Right. And, and so that's, what, that's the importance of this dialogue. But how, you know, again, now you're doing, you're taking calls when you feel like they're, it's appropriate for you to take them, but how does that, how do you maintain good service or, or good value to your consumer or your client when you're doing that? Yeah, so the... Um what I realized was I don't, people don't expect you to be able to answer the phone every time they call. That was my perception of what I think they wanted. So what I realized is it doesn't cause any problems, right? So I, it's something I had to get over, not something I had to have my clients get over, basically is right. what, what, it, what it turned out to be. You know, it, it was all in my head. Not, it wasn't a reality. It wasn't what their perception is. I mean, think about it. When you call people, any professional, and they're picking up the phone instantly on that first ring, I would start to wonder, is this guy ever busy, mm -hmm. right? When, when, when you tell somebody in a listening presentation, you know, you've got a whole team to handle stuff and, and you did 115 transactions last year, I think they're going to expect you to be busy. Yeah. You know, so I don't think they expect you to pick up the phone on that first ring every time they call. Now, that doesn't mean neglect them. I mean, first opportunity I get to call them, I'll call them right back and, and, and see what they need. Or a lot of times if they leave a voicemail, I might just forward it to Athena, my assistant, and then she calls them and checks in and see if everything's okay. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't require me stopping everything I'm doing, stopping my, my crucial time, which is generation time, and, and address these, these things. Yeah, yeah, that's solid. Okay, good. So let's go back and talk about how you overcame, because prospecting was one of the things before you ever got into real estate you kind of, I, you used to poke at me a, a good bit, you know, and say, yeah, this prospecting, you don't, don't like this prospecting, you know, stuff. You had an opinion about it, um, which, which, which everybody does. I, I probably did myself. It's just 20 plus years ago. I don't remember. Um, but how did you overcome levels of resistance of prospecting? I, be, I will say this. When you got into the business, you and I talked about it and we says, you're going to have to get over this, Abe. You're right. going to have to do this. And you accepted it. And in day one, you didn't, you may have struggled with it internally, but you took action and you took the actions and, 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 and made things happen. But what did you go through mentally and how did you overcome it? Right. So I've known you close to 30 years now and prospecting is not just a, was a challenge for me prospecting was the reason I never got into real estate all those years. 
right? Because I've seen you all those years. I've seen your production. I've seen your company. We've talked about it a million times. And I knew the potential there. But that one single thing, picking up the phone and calling people, kept me from getting into this industry 20 years ago. Mm. Right? So that's first and foremost. So I probably have a bigger resistance to prospect than I'd say 95% of people. Wow. So all, all the people out there that feel like, oh, I can never prospect, there's no way. I mean, if, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. So I, I've never, ever, and I've been in sales my whole life. That's all I've ever done. But the, just being phone sales and prospecting was just never something I wanted to do. Um, even to this day, um, I still struggle with it. Almost, you know, at least a couple of times a week, it comes in my mind like, man, I really don't feel like doing this today. I really don't feel like making calls. But, but I know the moment that I decided to get my license, anything that I do, and you know this, anything that I do, I'm either going to give 100% or I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So the moment that I decided I was going to get my license, I'm like, this is what needs to be done. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. So regardless of how I feel, regardless of what I think of prospecting, regardless of anything, it's something that has to be done in this industry. Um, if you want to perform at a high level, yeah, so that's what keeps me going. I know that like it's, it's ingrained in me that without prospecting, you're going to do like, like everybody else doing less than four transactions a year is what the average is in our market. Yeah. There's no way I'll stand for that. Got it. Did anything else shift um, where you shifted from like, um, I'm just calling people like I'm, 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 I'm just calling people to take from them. I'm just calling people to get something from them versus calling them and actually having a value. How did that shift take place? Because I think for long-term sustainability, not you don't it it it, it takes more than i don't want to dig this ditch but i'm just going to show up and dig the ditch at some point there's got to be some sort of like meaning to digging that ditch that helps you keep going you know for the long run um did any of that occur yeah i don't want to say well it it wasn't a shift well it it was a shift so let let me let me explain what i'm what i'm thinking here from day one with every single call I made, my intention has always been, I want to help people, mm-hmm. right? I want, to, I want to be able to take this person and help them get moved to where they need to move, get them the most money possible, um, and do the best job I possibly can. The shift didn't incur my intentions. The shift occurred in the belief that I actually am the best agent for the job. Uh, right. So early on in my career, I didn't believe that. I'm like, shit, what do I know? I mean, I, I'm new to this and you can tell me I, I can do a better job than, than Brendan or Greg or whoever else is in this market. So to me, that's where the shift happened. The shift happened in, in me believing that, hey, not only do I want to help them, I've always wanted to do that. Now I know I can help them and I can help them better than anybody else in this market. So that's yeah. where really the shift occurred. Yeah. It, it's the belief Another, in myself. An- Another version of, or another, another area of confidence, right? It's just, yeah, exactly. it comes back to confidence again. Right. Now you're starting to go beyond believing that you can handle the conversation. Now you're like believing that if you don't have these conversations, the consumer's at risk of getting, of, of aligning themselves with an agent that might not add as much value as you will. Like exactly. you're really believing now in, in right. your abilities and the service that you provide and the results that you get. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So what, um, you're, you're, you're going doing much bigger business. And, and when you first started and you did, you know, 40 deals versus now doing a hundred plus deals, um, how, how has your team or staff changed, um, increased in order to handle the volume of 
paperwork, the workflow, and all the things that have the servicing of your clients, the processing of, uh, of paperwork, all these negotiations and back and forth. What have you had to do you know, uh, in order to handle all that? Yeah, so, so basically at this point, I've got a full-time um, assistant here, and I also have um, two almost full-time VAs that I work with. Yeah. Right. So the, the main thing that's changed is, is I do very little tasks anymore. Mm-hmm. Very little, like almost, almost none, even as far as checking email. Like Athena will check all my emails and then whatever she feels like I need to look at, she'll tag it for me and then I go in and see what my, has my name on it. And those are the things that I check. Um, uploading a list into my, um, my, my CRM and Real Geeks and Fugisoft, I don't do any of that. Um, inputting stuff into dot loop. I don't even know how to use that loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of that stuff, anything that's task related, I, I don't do anymore. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. If it's not genera- generating, um, I'm not doing it. Got it. Um, so that, that's allowed me, like I don't even know my contact. I actually stopped counting contacts this year. I know you're not going to like that. Um, it's actually out of my nature. It's really we'll, making me uncomfortable. We'll, we'll probably have to start doing that now. <laughs> okay. yeah, we'll have to have a different Maybe on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I, but I can tell you, I know my number of contacts is down even more from last year, way yeah. down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so basically just focusing all on, on generating. Yeah. Um, now your databases are getting bigger and bigger and are. bigger and bigger. Cause anybody that generates like you, one of the byproducts of that is, building a database and then building a database. One of the byproducts of that is now getting more come list me business exactly. or business in, inbound calls to you. Um, and I know that you're a big tech guy, you know, and you like technology and whatnot. And I wanted to just touch on, you know, how uh, maybe you could touch on contact junkie just a moment yeah. and how you built that or, or, or the thought, the problem that you had and you know, how you solve that problem and then what that's, how what that means to your current business and the way you're able to grow your business from this point on. So let's talk first about a problem. So in the area of Contact Junkie, what was one of the problems that bubbled up for you as you were growing your business that you said, I need a freaking solution for this? Again, so the whole mindset is, is try to be more efficient, right? It's about making, spending less time on tasks, spending less time on, on wasted phone calls. So what I call a wasted phone call is calling someone and hearing a phone ring three times, hang up, call them again tomorrow, three times, hang up. So all that time just adds up and adds up with lead yeah. after lead. So minimizing the amount of wasted time on phone calls and really spending every single second engaged in a conversation, to me, was, was the biggest, the biggest um, thing that I felt like needed improvement that was gonna take me to the next level. So just becoming more efficient with my time um, and not wasting time trying to chase a dead lead or trying to waste all this time on a non-responsive lead. So I, I felt the challenge that there was too many people and, and it keeps growing. Nowadays, people are just not picking up the phone anymore um, like they used to. So I felt like something's got to happen. or I've got to come up with something or do something differently that's going to allow me to become more efficient with my time and, and be able to, to increase my bandwidth and reach more people. Yeah. So to me, that's, that's what I felt like was a problem. Okay. So in other words, you had, you had, you, you had all these leads that required all of this, all of these attempts, call attempts right. or email and text attempts. And the amount of leads became a lot larger than, than you could actually service properly when it comes to how many attempts you needed to make to get them on the phone. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So 
tell us how you solve that problem. So, I mean, it, it started off where um, I just ha I had someone build a little widget for me where I can leave a text message or send out text messages to people um, and do a couple of people at a time. Um, it started off with something as simple as that. So in the middle, like I'll call them. If they didn't pick up, all I had to do was press a button out of my CRM and it sent a text message to them. Mm -hmm. Okay, So it started as simple as that. And then um, I started seeing pretty good results to it. And then I said, okay, well, can I do this? Um, now, instead of, you know, one person at a time, let's just say if I drop these 10 names into here, could you send them a voicemail and send them a text? And the guy said, yeah, I can do that. So then we built them into that. So then before you know it, I, I started getting really good results in being able to, to really increase my bandwidth. Um, so when I created Contact Junkie and brought it to you, it wasn't, um, the intention was never to sell it. Yeah. It was like, hey, you know, I wanted something to become more efficient. I want to do more deals and make less phone calls. And again, run away from, from prospecting. There had to be a better way, a more efficient way. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's pretty much how it started. Um, be able to reach more people, um, be able to make more attempts to a person without me manually having to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the results? So you still do make outbound calls, right? No question. Every day. Okay. Well, every, every workday that I work. Yeah. Every workday. Right. Yeah. So this is, it's not about, um, you know, using automation. So where does it come in? Okay. If you're still making outbound calls right. or you're still getting some inbound leads, right? You will get inbound leads from your database. And right. then as soon as you, they email you, you probably call them manually, just like the old way. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So then where does this automation take over? So the, the difference is this. So I get a brand new lead, regardless of what the source is. Um, I'll still call them. Okay. I'll even double dial. I double dial every lead. So I'll call it, hang up. If they don't pick up, pick up the phone and call them right back again. If they don't pick up, the difference is in the past, I would just leave a voicemail. Okay. Now I take them and put them right into a contact junkie campaign, toss it aside, move on to the next lead. Because now I know I've got a campaign for that type of lead where it's going to, it's going to continue to reach out to them for the next three days. Mm -hmm right? While I go on to the next lead. So that's the difference. So now instead of just reaching, you know, say 30% of new leads that come in, now contact junkies reaching another uh, 60%, roughly 70% of them, which, which is allowing me to reach, you know, 75, 80% of every single new lead that comes in. Uh, yeah. Without, without me having a man lead. So, so the biggest thing, it's become an extension of my prospecting is what it's become. Right. It's kind of like having a, a personal ISA or, a, or an assistant making calls for you, a telemarketer. It's basically expanding your bandwidth. Like you're one person and in one hour, you can only do so much. But then you have Contact Junkie. It's like adding five or 10 um, ISAs in that one hour. You can do six, seven times more uh, when it comes to outbound attempts on your leads or your database than you could if you didn't have the system. The that, difference is, is you don't have to pay for all that all the staff. Exactly. So, so the way I look at it is, is, and the reason I make the first manual attempt, if I can get someone on the phone, that's worth my time, right? Yeah. I want to spend the time and talking to them. The moment that they don't pick up the first two calls, they're not worth my time anymore to spend on calling. So it's just like handing it to an ISA or contact junkie and say, here, now this is worth your time. You go out there and keep reaching out to them. And so they respond. Once they respond, now they become my time again. Yeah, so that's awesome. it's really taking every second that you that you're going to spend on the phones and making sure you're spending it talking to people, not dialing numbers and listening to, to phones ring. Perfect. perfect. So to me, that was the biggest the, the biggest thing that that's had the biggest impact on my business. 
Yeah, that, that's awesome. So yeah. before we before we uh, uh, close out the conversation, right. um, you know, there are people that are going to listen to this this audio, this video, this podcast, and and they're going to say, "Well, I'm not a new licensee," but you know, they're going to be wanting to grow their business right. at the same trajectory that you grew their business, or some variation of that. Like, what what could you leave us um, and leave the audience as a as a, as an, a, a tip of like. You know, what's one thing that you can say, hey, if you really want to grow your business, no matter what you're doing, if you really want to grow your business and increase the production in the next 12 months, you really want to focus on this. Anything you can leave us with on that? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is, is be present to um, who you are in the conversation. Again, going back to that confidence, the moment that they pick up the phone from that first hello, the, the energy in your voice and the confidence in your voice makes a big difference. So right off the bat, start with that, no matter who you are, no matter what your level is, no matter what you're doing, start off with that. And then secondly, I mean, anybody can do the numbers, can do the volume. If you just got to make, you got to make the outbound calls. Again, so I made 12,000 contacts that first year. That wasn't easy, right? But it allowed me to, I've got a database of 6,000, almost 6,000 people now. So it allowed me to build that database. And now, you know, three, a little over three and a half years into it, now I'm starting to get calls back into me. So confidence, number one. Number two, make the calls. Yeah. You know, as difficult as it is, I mean, it's difficult. Even now it's difficult sometimes, some days to want to get up and go do it. But you know, that's the bloodline of your business. Mm -hmm. right? Without that, there is no business. Yeah. The 12,000 contacts was kind of like your investment. Exactly. In, into the, that first year, you, like you had to, that was your sweat equity in order to kind of like build your business, right? It's, and, and that's how real estate is. A lot of people, they, they don't have a lot of money to invest in their business. So if you don't have money, you have to invest time. So that 12,000 is a great representation of you, of your sweat equity that you put in, in the first 12 months that puts you in position. That really launched your business. And, and just by the sheer fact that you were working and making that many contacts, you did 40 deals. But more important than those 40 deals, you positioned yourself for this type of growth. Exactly. And one more thing I want to add to that. So the, the confidence and then the making the calls. It, the third thing is, you know, whether you, you, you want to use automation, whether it's contact junkie, whether it's something else, that's completely up to you, whatever you're comfortable with. But you've got to get to the point where you can actually make more attempts and, and spend every single second that you're on the phone, make sure you're talking to people. The average, the average lead now is taking anywhere from seven to 11 attempts to reach to get on the phone. Okay, they're not bad leads. All these leads that you're getting that you think are bad leads, they're not bad leads. You just haven't called them enough times to get them on the phone and get a response. Mm -hmm. So either go to automation, okay, and be able to make that many attempts or just build it into your routine where every single lead you get, you're going to call them 11 times over three days. That's fine. Between calls, text messages, and emails, you want to make 11 attempts over three days with every single new lead that you get. And I promise you that, that your business will, will grow at that point. Yeah, simple as that. Simple as that. But if you can automate it, why not? If you can automate it and be able to hit more leads, then, then, then wonderful. But if not, yeah. make 11 attempts to every single lead over a three-day period. Yeah. So I think you and I would both say it's simple, but we would probably also both agree that it's that simple and easy are two different things. Right. You know, it's simple. It's like a very simple process, but it does require some work. And, it's, and, it, and, and we, uh, we should not be afraid to say it requires some hard work. Right. But man, the payoff is extraordinary. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good. So um, for the audience, if they want to reach out to you and just answer or ask you a question, um, send you a referral, what's the best way for them to reach, to, uh, reach you? 
my email address is c21safa, like Century 21, my last name Safa, S-A-F-A, at gmail.com. Um, that's probably the best way, send an email. Um, and then I'll be more than glad to help you any way I can. Well, good, good. And if anybody wants to ask me a question, I appreciate you all tuning in to the Level Up podcast. And we've got a lot of loyal um, you know, listeners that are uh, listening to this over and over again. So thank you. Um, and if you want to reach out to me, the best way, place to go is just go on to Facebook, hit me up on Facebook Messenger, and I'll answer your questions. I, I get a few questions just about every day, and I answer back. So if you uh, are, uh, feel compelled to do that, then I will, um, I'll reach back out to you. And um, if you could, please do us a favor. Um, I request that if you like this podcast, or, or even if you don't like this podcast, if you just give us a review. Um, uh, any review is a fantastic review. It just kind of, you know, helps us boost us in the, uh, in the rankings when it comes to podcasts and, and YouTube channels. So please give us a review. I will uh, look forward to talking to you on the next uh, podcast. Talk to you later.